This podcast is for parents like you, navigating the world of neurodiversity with love and compassion. I'm a neurodivergent mother of three amazing neurodivergent children and a board-certified music therapist. Our mission is to create a supportive space where you feel understood, connected, and inspired. With practical tips, strategies, and resources, we'll help you and your child thrive in your unique way. Join us as we dive deep into the diverse world of neurodivergent individuals, exploring topics like ADHD, autism, dyslexia, sensory processing challenges, and more. We'll cover it all to empower, educate, and uplift both neurodivergent individuals and those who walk alongside them. Together, we'll create a world where every brain is valued and celebrated. We're excited to embark on this enlightening journey with you. We are your hosts, Samantha Foote and Lauren Ross, and this is the Every Brain is Different podcast. Welcome to the Every Brain is Different podcast. We are here with Michelle Slaney-Shravato, and we are so excited that you have come on. So please introduce yourself and tell us how you are involved in the neurodivergent community. I am so excited to be here. Um, These two ladies are pretty incredible, and I'm really honored that they invited me to be on this podcast episode today. So my name is Michelle Slaney-Travato. I live in the greater Vancouver area of British Columbia, Canada. So for those of you who don't know where that is, we are just north of Seattle on the Pacific Coast. We call ourselves Supernatural British Columbia because it's beautiful here. Um... So how am I connected to the neurodivergent community? Well, I am both an adoptive and special needs mom. I have two children who joined our family through adoption. My oldest son, it turns out, has uh, pretty significant special needs. And my younger son has uh, ADD and a little bit of social anxiety. So I've got, I've got a few things going on around here. But they're pretty awesome kids and I like being their mom. Yeah, I know one of them. He is awesome. You do. I can He's attest in. to that. He is. <laughs> so you talk a lot about building your legacy. Can you tell us how that started and how you are building your legacy? Absolutely. So in Canada, uh, kids become adults at the age of 19. And my son is oh, about two weeks away from that as of this recording. So he is nearly there, which means everything in his world is shifting. Um, All his service providers are shifting. All his funding sources are shifting. This is his last year of high school this year. So then this one experience that he's had for, he's been there two extra years. So it'll be 14 years of his life is coming to an end. That's a huge transition. Um, We're looking at uh, medical professionals, like everything is changing. And so Uh, It's been a long process. I've been in this transition with him for about three years now, and I will probably be in it for, I think, about a minimum of three years more, Uh, just trying to figure it all out because the adult system, I'm sorry to say, is is a less than one. Um, There's not a lot out there, and you really have to be proactive in advocating for and around your child. So... What what led me to this legacy piece? That was a really long answer, and I haven't even gotten to the answer yet. No, I want to hear it all, so that's good. <laughs> okay, so what led me to the legacy piece was the the question that I got asked, and and it's if you have never been asked this question yet, I would encourage you to think about it now. Where do you want your child to be in ten years, in twenty, when you're not here? That sat with me. Now I'm. 
I am such a keener mom. I'm like all over things early and I work hard to be on top of things. And, you know, I'm the one that they're like, if the deadline is six months from now, I got everything done in four months, just in case <laughs> I'm that mom. But I never thought about that. In 10 years, my son's going to be almost 30. Where do I want him to be? What do I want his life to look like? And how do I help him get there? Um, is, is the big questions that I was starting to ask myself. And, and frankly, if it scares you, good. Um, it should. We have lots to think about, but it shouldn't scare you into inaction. I hope that it promotes you to take action. And that's what really got me going because I thought, well, backstory. Two years ago, my son got a best friend. He has a bestie. And they like love each other. And they went on a work experience placement with their school to a car dealership. And they had the best time. They loved it. Loved hanging out with each other. Loved talking about cars with the guys who were talking about cars. I think the guys were talking about cars and my two were just standing there like gobsmacked. Oh, this is awesome. Um, I really think that's what was happening, but they loved it. And then I overheard a conversation between them where they were talking about how cool it would be to live together and work together as grown-ups, And I thought, how awesome would that be? Now, I'm not an employer, so I don't know how I would help with the employee thing, but I might, I'll try to see if I can get them both a job at the same place. But what if I could do something about the living situation? What if I could take that on and I could actually let them live together? Now, when I first moved out of my parents' house, I lived with my friends and all the awesome and awfulness that was. Um, and so I was really excited to think, well, that's a normal thing for people to want to do, no matter who you are. What if I could give him that? What if I could create that situation for him? So that got the ball rolling, thinking, well, what would it look like? How do I do this? I've never bought a place that I didn't live in, so I probably should do some learning and growing. And that led us on a, a journey. I used my COVID time, actually, when I couldn't leave my house to get on my computer and do some investigative stuff around um, real estate investing and what that would look like and, and asking the question to the experts in that field, is this possible? Am I out of my mind? And I honestly thought they'd probably come back with a yes, like, you were nuts, old lady, go away. What I was surprised about is they didn't say it. What they said was, that's amazing. And we wish more people did it. I'm like, huh, really? Okay. And then I started hearing things like, well, I don't know anything about disabilities, but if you need money, I can find you money. I'm like, oh, really? And it just kind of kept going. So the big legacy that we have decided to take on for our son is we want to buy him a house. And we want this to be a house where he can live not just by himself because he loves other people, but we want him to be able to live with several of his, of his besties. And we know they're going to require some additional support and we'd need to create a living caregiver situation, but I think we can do it. Now, to be clear, I live in one of the most expensive cities in the world. Um, we buy Manhattan apartments for how expensive it is here. So it is a really big ticket item that I'm looking at. It's a long journey, but I'm really excited about it. And the more I talk about it, the more I hear amazing things. And then we took some action. So we're into year two of a five to 10 year plan to make this house happen in our city so that my son and his friends can stay close to their families, their service providers, all of that, and live this extraordinary life with the supports that they need. 
Yeah. Um, we talked a little bit about how you would make that work. So for families who are like, oh, I want that for my son or my daughter, but I don't know how to make it work. Like, what is your plan for the living situation? Because a, a living caregiver can be there, but they can't be on call 24-7. So what, like, what are your thoughts about that? Oh, I love that you asked that question. <laughs> so the plan that we've kind of mapped out is that most houses here are being built with a suite. So we want to have a house either with a suite or that could be suited. And we will have a tenant at market fair market rent. Now, we know that there are people out there who will happily live in a house with people who are neurodivergent or have different disabilities because, frankly, I would have been one of them. I have two cousins that have disabilities. I've always been surrounded by that growing up. And I would have been super excited to have that opportunity. Um, I currently live in a house that has a suite, and we had this amazing young man come and live with us last year, and he didn't care one little bit that my son has two volumes, which are loud and asleep. Um, didn't bother him at all. So I know there are people out there that would be doing that. So if we can do that and have that money cover the mortgage, now I don't have to come up with the total cost. I just need to come up with a big enough down payment that that can cover the mortgage. So that's the finances taken care of. Um, I would like to have the vision and upstairs with four bedrooms. So one for my son and two of his friends and one for the living caregiver. Now with their funding sources, and they will all have that same funding source, they must have an, an on uh, a podcast, you can't see this, but I'm air quoting rent taken out of their account. Now that goes to their guardian and they will all have guardians into their adult lives and the guardian decides where the money goes. If it is not needed to pay for the mortgage, that can actually be used to pay the salary of a living caregiver. If you don't charge room and board, you can pay them a little bit less. So now we've got that covered. Then we thought, okay, exactly what you said, Samantha. We cannot have a living caregiver working seven days a week, 24 hours a day. So we're going to need to create a schedule with time off. Well, this is where the families come in. If it's in our city and it's in, in, in an area where we can all access, then we can take turns and do a schedule. So maybe every other Saturday is my turn and I go into the house and, well, today, guys, we're going to go buy groceries. Come on, let's load y'all in the car and we're going to Costco. Or because it will be all boys. And for those of you who maybe only have girls, boys can be really stinky. And so it might be, dude, you smell and your room smells. So we're going to wash you and everything in your room. Let's get the laundry going, right? So now we're just involved, or maybe we're going to make meals together and we'll do like really big cooking and we can freeze it or portion it up so they can have lunches and dinners and things like that and put it in the fridge and all that kind of stuff. Or just a movie night where we can hang out and make popcorn and watch movies together because, you know, most of the time I actually like my kids, so I don't mind being around them, right? And I thought, well, if the families divvy up that responsibility, now we have the time taken care of for the living caregiver to have time off, whether they're there or gone out somewhere, it really doesn't matter. And the families can see for ourselves on the regular that everybody is safe and healthy and taken care of. We have that opportunity to continue to connect with our kids and their friends and make sure that everybody is living the life they want to live. Yeah, I just think that this is just a genius plan because I know so many adults who have disabilities that they want to live on their own they want to be independent they want to have a job they just need that extra support 
And I think this is a great way to have them have a normal life, like air quotes, normal life, um, and just live the life that they want to, getting the supports that they need. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I love this a lot. Um, I've been trying to propose this idea to my father for a little bit now. And so I love that I have like an example to show him. Mm-hmm. Um because I have a brother who um, has an intellectual disability and I, I'm like, let's, let's get them a house. He has two roommates. He gets along great. They're all on the same functioning level. Awesome. Like, you never know. Like, why wouldn't this be a good idea? You know, eventually, you know, they might get kicked out of their apartment that they're currently in. Um, you know, they might not have the same caregivers or maybe the company might go under whatever it might be. Um, and so I just, I love it. I love this idea so much. Oh, well, I am so glad I would be happy to speak with your dad too, if that would be helpful. Love it. Thank you. That would be, that would be awesome. (laughs) Um, so you also had a, you have a podcast, Can you tell us how the podcast started and what you focus on and how you help people and why people should listen? That was a lot of questions. You can just start with how it started. (laughs) The good news is I'm pretty good at keeping up with questions because I usually ask so many myself. (laughs) So the podcast came out of this whole discussion about where do I want to see my son and in the future and where do I want him to be and what kind of life do I want him to be leading? And in the process of doing all the research into the real estate investing world and all that stuff, I started coming across these average everyday people who were creating these amazing, extraordinary legacies. And I thought, why don't people know about this? Well, because nobody shone a light on them, I guess. And so I thought, well, I like talking to people. Maybe I should do that. So I decided to launch the Living Your Legacy podcast um, for two reasons. One, I think that those stories, they inspire me on the days when it gets really hard and I think, oh, I'm never going to be able to do this. I listen to some of these stories and I think, my gosh, if that person could overcome that, then I can definitely overcome this. So one foot in front of the other, Michelle, keep going. And then the other piece was around redefining legacy. We think of it as the thing you leave behind when you're gone. Uh, my son's going to have a house before I'm gone and I plan on visiting it. I want to be living it. I want to live into this so that with excitement, all the decisions that we make and the steps forward we take and the people we meet and the people we want to work with, that's all part of the story. And the legacy is already happening. I'm talking about it. You guys in in the audience are going to hear it, right? So it's happening. And if it inspires somebody else to step up and say, oh my gosh, I want to do something like that. Or, well, if she can do that, I want to do this other thing, then all the better. So I started by interviewing people who are average, ordinary people, like you might run into in the grocery store, who are building extraordinary legacies. Uh, And then I started thinking, well, wouldn't it be cool to talk to some of the professionals that support them? Because none of us does it alone. I certainly won't be being my own real estate agent or my own mortgage broker when we're moving forward with my son's house. I will have the support of other professionals. So what if we got some of those guys on to share how they support other people? So we've been doing that. And then the feedback I got from my audience was that 
um, they love it, but they have no idea what their legacy could be or how to get there, like how to even start. And so now I've been interviewing people who are sharing what potential legacies could be like, maybe you want to have a podcast and that's your legacy, or maybe you want to write a book and that's your legacy. Um, and so they're coming to tell their stories and how they support people doing that. And that has um, also led rise to the creation of my course, which is creating your empowered legacy. Now, to be clear, I circle back all the time to the neurodivergent and special needs community. I think we need so much more inspiration. We need to hear the success stories. We've all heard the negative ones, the ones that didn't work. The media is filled with the bad things that people have done to each other and the awful things that happen to kids with disabilities. I want to shine a light where there's hope and optimism because that's the space I want to live in. That when we're hopeful and we're optimistic and we try new things and we keep striving forward for really amazing goals for our children, two things happen. One, a good friend of mine named Melissa gave this quote one time and I thought it was amazing. Your why power is way stronger than your willpower. I live with my why. I see him every day. And every day I think I cannot let him down. I want him to have this so bad. I also want my younger son to have his freedom so that he doesn't have to feel like his big brother is his responsibility for the rest of his life. As he says, I love him. I don't want to live with him. Fair enough. I get that, right? I don't live with my sister. So I, I totally get that. I want him to have his freedom too. And that motivates me to keep going forward. Also, I want to make sure that people hear stories of what is possible. Like you said, Samantha, we are told over and over and over and over and over what our children can't, won't, will never do, shouldn't do. Uh, we're told that all the time. And it's so easy to get lost in that. It's so easy to lose who we are in trying to, I don't know, make our child have some small portion of, of something. Like maybe they can hear a little bit or maybe they can speak a little bit or maybe they can stand up out of a wheelchair a little bit. And we get so focused on those things that we can lose sight of the bigger picture. What is our child actually capable of? That's a great question to ask. What does your child love to do? When are they the happiest? How do you know? Right? All these pieces. What does your child want to live independently? Are they old enough to tell you that? Because mine sure is every day. Right? Um, are they, do they want to have a particular career? Can you do some exploration in that area? If you're concerned about them being employed, can you find a way to employ them? That's a great question to ask, right? Is it possible? People have done all kinds of amazing things. So when you stop thinking this is impossible and you start thinking I'm possible, it changes the dynamic completely. And I know that I'm possible for my son. You too are possible for your children. Yeah. Did I, uh, did I answer all your questions? You did. I, think you I got answered sidetracked. all my questions, but I love that you talked about focusing on the positive and focusing on optimism because I hear that all the time that in order to qualify for services, you have to meet a certain threshold for disability. Mm -hmm. And to do that, they have to do what's called, well, in the 
in the Idaho area, we do a Vineland and it's just an assessment of your skills and your functioning and all of that. And it is so depressing to fill out because you just sit there and you're like, my child can't do that. My child can't do that. My child can't do that. And then you get to one where you're like, oh, my child can't do that. Yay. (laughs) And then I always wonder, I'm like, can typically developing kids do this? Like, are, are they supposed to be doing this? Because people ask me all the time, like, what what do typically developing kids do? And I'm like, I don't know, because all my kids are neurodivergent. All the kids I work with are neurodivergent. And so I just, yeah. But what I, my point was, I love it when professionals focus on the positive and they ask you, what do you like about your child? What does your child do well? What, what did they love to do? Um, and I think more professionals need to focus more on that than what the deficits, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, but in order to qualify for the services, you have to focus on the deficits. Yes. Um, and I would, if you're, if it's okay, I'll offer a little word of advice on that too. Yeah. Um, I have to fill these forms out too. And yeah. it is awful. But recognize this. Anytime you're filling out forms for services or funding, they're obviously going to, they're looking for that you have to meet the threshold, but obviously the worst cases usually get more funding. So parents have had it, right? Like it is the end of the world. Yeah. Go on and do that to get the funding. But recognize what you've written there isn't maybe necessarily what you actually think about your child, right? When I talk about my son, um, as a general rule, I don't spend a lot of time talking about his disabilities. Um, and here's a great little tip for you too. So have at it, go all in. The world is ending when you're writing these forms. Like, yeah, do it. for sure. That's what's going to get you the money. Yeah. But then when you're talking about your child and you're thinking about your child, think about it this way. What do you want other people to see and think and engage with about your child? You have the power to make that happen by how you talk about your child. So when I talk about my son, I will tell you this. And Samantha can answer this too, because she's actually seen him. He smiles with his entire body. Oh, for sure. His entire body is engaged in that smile. He is a happy kid. He loves people. And let me tell you, he loves the ladies. I host a networking group for women and he is always making appearance and totally stealing the show. He loves people. He loves to be helpful in any way. Loves to be helpful. Can you take this and put that over there? Yes. Loves it, right? He is kind and compassionate. He loves babies. Loves them. Loves ba- like baby pets, baby people. He just loves babies. Um, you know, he loves animals. Now, when you meet him, those are all the things you're going to look for. Because I've just told you what they are, what I see and what I love about him. Now, if I go into the list of all his disabilities, they're not going to seem that bad. And it won't be the first thing you see when you see him. So keep that in mind. When you're filling out these forms, yeah, it's hard. And if you need to have a good cry while you're doing it, have a good cry while you're doing it. Because it's not, it's awful to have to write these things about your child that it's heartbreaking, right? Mm -hmm. Totally. I get that. But then remember in other places and many other places, you get to have the opportunity to tell people who this incredible little human being is, right? Like I talk about my son being mischievous and is he ever mischievous? Quick story. Do I have time for a quick story? Okay. So 
I got nods of yes, so I'm going to go ahead. Um, when he was young, maybe maybe four or five, he went to the bathroom. And of course, I always listen. And um, I heard the toilet flush. I'm like, okay, he must be done. And then I heard the toilet flush again. I'm like, okay. And then I heard the toilet flush again. So on the third time, I'm like, mm, maybe, maybe this is not going to be a good situation. And I should go check this out. So I go barreling into the bathroom. And he's standing by the toilet, fully dressed. And he looks at me and he goes, Shh. And I said, okay. <laughs> and he holds up one finger. You know, the one that you do for wait, like, wait, wait. And he unrolls the toilet paper a whole bunch on the roll onto the floor. And I was like, okay. And then he looks at me and goes, wait, wait. So he picks up the pile and he throws it in the toilet, thinking, I don't know where this is going. And so he goes, wait. And then he, then he puts his finger on the plunger and he hits it. And didn't it unravel the whole roll of toilet paper into the toilet? It was so much fun. We did it two more times. <laughs> That's amazing. Right? So fun. So fun. So mischievous. Now, that's the kid you want to meet. That's the kid when he shows up, you're going to be waiting for that mischievous smile. You're going to be waiting for him to say something like, wait. And you know something kind of fun and engaging is going to happen. Well, that's the power I have in how I describe him to you. So when you're describing your child to say their teachers or to a medical professional that's new, yeah, they've got the form that says all the things your, can't, your kid can't do, but they also need to know the person your child is. That's so important because it can help people see beyond the dis to the ability. And I can't stand it when people dis my child. Thank you very much. Yeah. That's so, yeah, that's I great advice it. to just present your child as you want them to be seen because people are going to see I don't want to say deficits but they're going to see like where they have issues hmm. they're going to see that but they're not going to focus on it so that yes good good word I think if you <laughs> yeah if you only talk about like the deficits like when you go in to meet someone like that's what you're looking for but if you hear all those positives and things and like that's what you're looking for and everything else is just secondary yeah. Like my it. son is visibly, he has visible disabilities. It's abundantly clear when you meet him that there's stuff going on. But if I have set it up so that you are looking for the person rather than all the disabilities, that it's much more likely that you're going to want to engage with him, that you're going to try to connect with him, that you're going to try to understand some of the things that he says and he struggles with speaking. And, you know, all those kinds of things are going to start happening more naturally. You're also going to be more interested in maybe asking me some questions. So I do get questions like, you know, does your child have disabilities? Yes, he does. Or I notice that he's really quiet. I'm like, yeah, he, he struggles to speak. Oh, but now it's just part of the conversation. It's not the conversation. Yeah. So I would encourage you to think about that. Um, and if you're in question, here's a tip. Write it down. What are the things you love about your child? Like absolutely love. Think about it. And it can even be cute things. Like they snore a little bit. Like cute. Most people are not going to hear your child snore. But nevertheless, they're going to think it's cute. Right? What do you love? What about them makes you smile? What when they do it makes your heart sing? Right? What is it? What are those things? And that's what you need to tell people. That's where yeah. your focus should be because then, then those yucky forms we have to fill out don't sting quite so much because you have a much bigger impact in other places. Yeah, exactly. 
So speaking about needing support, I guess, because that just reminded me, like when we fill out those forms, I feel like someone needs a support group after they fill out the forms to just be like, that would be a great idea. I love it. So, but you have a group for caregivers. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us more about that? Sure can. So this conversation has come up, I think, with every single caregiver I've ever talked to. And it doesn't matter whether you're caregiving for children who are neurodiverse, who have disabilities, or if you're caregiving for, um, say, a spouse who's had a stroke or a traumatic hand injury, or you're caring for an aging parent, or all of the above. There are people who are doing it all. Um, The reality is it is a kind of a lonely experience. We do feel very much alone in this. We feel like there's so much information coming at us, but a lot of things are not always clearly explained. And, you know, you're dealing with multiple different organizations whose intakes and outtakes and, and expectations are very different. Like there's just so much going on. And it would be really nice to have a group of people who get it, who when I say, you know, we're having a bad day at home, have actually got a sense of what that might be. Because it's hard if I have to explain it to people, and I do often have to explain it. And then then you kind of become the pariah in the room. They're like, oh, poor her. Like, oh, I don't want that either. I want you to just like listen and be like, yeah, that sucks. Get on with it. (laughs) And and I want that group. I need that group around me. I refer to us, um, special needs moms and caregiving moms, as dragon slayers. I need my dragon slayers. We are the women who get up every day. We put on our armor. We pick up our sword and we slay the day. That has such a different meaning for me than I think it was meant. It was sort of like a boss babe kind of thing. I'm like, oh, no. Some days I am literally slaying the dragon. I feel like I'm fighting all day for something. Sometimes it's, you know, medical stuff or those god-awful forms, or or it's my kid. He's having a bad day. I'm like, oh, how do I get any work done? <laughs> Things I have to do. And there's this on top of that, right? It's so good to have those that group of people that you can just let down your guard and you can say things like it's a bad day. Or Sometimes it's hard. I hear all the time people will say things like, oh, you're an angel and I could never do that. I'm like, I am not an angel. Sometimes I lose my cool. Sometimes I slam the door. Sometimes I ugly cry. Yeah. More often than I'd like to admit. Um, Right. And sometimes I do. I lose my cool. I am not a perfect parent at all. And I want another group of people that I could say, oh, my God, I lost it today. And it was over nothing. And they'll be like, oh, I feel you, girl, because I had this or this or this happen and I totally lost it with my kid because it's a different world that we live in. The stressors are so much higher and they're constant. It's like living in a pressure cooker, uh, truthfully. And sometimes the steam just gets let off in all the wrong ways and the lid blows off the sucker. It just it happens. And so having that group is so important. And I was talking to another woman who is in the States, and she was talking about the same thing. Now, she has bookends. She has an adult son with disabilities who lives with her, and she's caregiving for her mom. And she said the same thing. She's like, I love talking to you because we can just be real about what's going on, about the good, the bad, the struggles, all that stuff. And so I thought, isn't that interesting that the concerns that I have here in Canada are similar to her concerns in the United States. And so in talking to other caregivers, we realize that 
Regardless of geography or language or religion or culture, caregivers around the world pretty much feel the same. We pretty much feel kind of alone. We feel confused a lot. We feel scared a lot. Uh, Looking to the future is not always sunshine and roses. In fact, most of the time, I think it's not because we know there are so many fights ahead of us um, for our children, on behalf of our children and the people that are our care receivers. And so we thought, well, you know, if it is to be, it's up to me. If I'm going to start opening my mouth and complaining about it, then I probably should do something about it. So we have launched um, a group, really for caregivers. We call ourselves the fun and feisty caregivers. In case it's not clear yet, I like a little bit of fun and I definitely don't get enough in my life and I am a little feisty. Um, So we decided that that would be our name and we are launching um, the first of a series of virtual summits. Uh, The whole idea is to bring together people in our worlds, people who can support us, people who are professionals, who serve our communities, people who have information to share. Some of it will be uh, things like, um, I'm obviously going to be speaking about your future and planning into your future, uh, because that's an area that's a great passion of mine right now. It's where I'm living, and I want to share that with other people. We have uh, speakers who are going to talk about how to hire a good living caregiver, I am also going to be taking a ton of notes on that one because that's coming up for me, right? Uh, But what if you need one now to live in with your family and your child? Or, um, oh, we have a stylist coming because most of us spend a lot of time in our sweats with our people and it's easy to kind of just stay there. Um, So how can you take care of yourself? Some me time stuff because most of us don't allow ourselves a lot of me time. Um, The needs around us are so great that we are constantly pouring often from an empty cup. So we want to have some fun and fill your cup. And we've got people talking about checklists for an aging parent. Now, my husband, well, we're all aging, but my husband's a little bit older than me. And I actually was joking with him. I'm like, you know, some stuff we should do now because it's really useful information. Like, gosh, like what happens if you die tomorrow? I wouldn't know the password for this or that. Oh, yeah, I think we should do this. So some of those things that checklists that are really super useful for you in your life or specifically for with an aging parent, how to forge relationships with those professionals. So important. Um, lots of neat information. And then, of course, we know that it's not a one and done. One summit is not going to provide every caregiver with what they need. So we have a series. The next one will be on financial stuff, financial planning and thinking about things like if if it's too difficult to work because you're home with your with your person your care receiver how can you how can you think creatively outside the box and maybe create your own business so that you can do it is it possible to have a business with your person one of our speakers at the upcoming summit is a father and son duo who have launched a business they work together in their business and they're so fun um they are great and They're going to tell us about that experience, what that was like. And so, again, thinking about that, it's all, really, it's all hope and optimism. What can we do to bring each other together, to share and support, to share information? I mean, we have so much knowledge, and when we share it, we benefit each other, right? When we have a community where we feel like we're seen and we're heard, that is so inspiring, and it allows you to tackle those really hard days because you know you're not alone. 
that you got a lifeline somewhere, whether it's virtual or in person, doesn't really matter. Knowing that you have that lifeline sometimes is enough on those really hard days. You got some people to laugh with. And trust me, there's stuff about my kid that I can laugh at, but not with people who aren't caregivers because they think it's horrifying. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right? So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. With caregivers, we can actually laugh at that. You're like, oh, yeah, I get you there. Yeah, right? for sure. And so yeah. that's what we wanted to do. So the website is www.funandfeistycaregivers.com. The and is spelled out. Um, that's where you can find us. That's where you can find information about the summits. Most of our presenters, including Samantha, is yes. going to be one of our speakers, are are themselves caregivers. So this is their lived experience. It's their world too. So there's that's an amazing thing as well, that many of our speakers are themselves caregivers. So they know what they're talking about because they're living it. Um, and tickets are free. Speakers are all recorded. It's a four-day event. We know caregivers don't have four days to devote to anything. So it's recorded. You can watch it as it works for you. So if you're putting your kid to bed and you can put your earbuds in and plug in your phone, you can listen to it while your child is falling asleep. Or maybe it's early in the morning before your kid gets up. Or maybe it's, I have to break it up into four sessions of 10 minutes and I'll watch it that way. Boom, we got you, right? We know what this is like. So we wanted to have a safe space for people to come And just let us take care of you so you can go back and do an even better job of caring for yourself and your care receivers. Yeah. So one last question. We ask everybody, what do you do for fun? Oh, that is such a good question. Um, That's a really good question. Oh, you almost stumped me there. I had to think about that. I'm like, well, I don't have nearly enough fun. Um, That is obvious. what do I do for fun? Uh, dance parties in my living room, sometimes with the kids, sometimes completely by myself. If my neighbor sees me, I usually invite her to come over and dance with me because, um, nice. you know, that's just fun. Yeah. Uh, I actually quilt. So I like to make quilts because it's something I can pick up and put down. I don't have to be super focused for long periods of time. It's mostly sewing in a straight line. Technically, the machine can sew in a straight line. It's the user who sometimes has issues with that, and that would be me. Um, <laughs> so I like to to make quilts, and then we donate them from. I make them from scrap fabric, and the kids, I take them with me, and we go and we donate them to different organizations that really need them. And that's really fun to get out of my house. Also, um, I do it with a group of ladies. So periodically, we get together. And we sew at my house and sometimes they'll come with me to donate. So I actually get a little bit of social time in there. So those are some of the things I do for fun. Yeah. I love that you get the social in there. You're doing good cause, social. It's all good things. So, well, thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you for coming on. We really appreciate your time and sharing everything that you shared with our audience. Absolutely. I am so excited to have been invited. Thank you very much. And I'm really excited to connect with people. If there's anything that I can do to help you launch your own legacy um, or connect you with people, I love connecting people with people. Um, Let me know. I'm happy to help. Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope the discussion on neurodiversity has provided you with support, understanding, and inspiration. If you found our podcast valuable, please share it with others who may benefit from our insights and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Hit the follow button and let's keep exploring the fascinating world of neurodiversity. Click the link in our show notes to visit our website for a free download of three tips for a stronger relationship with your child.